1: Come back! Let's Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morenzi. Rage all you want.
3: Level three has begun. The quickest 180 minutes in Sports Talk Radio. Man, show's really flying by uh, this evening once again. Uh, it always does. Uh, thanks to Ian Cameron for kicking it uh, with us. Uh, we got Jason B. Takafin. He's going to join us. Uh, we'll talk Major League Baseball. We'll get into the odds. The Cy Young, always great talking baseball uh, with Jason every Sunday night right here on Sirius XM Channel 204 Sports Rage. Late night, I am Gabriel Morenci. The Blue Jays are red hot. Springer's killing it. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. George Springer's lighting it up uh, with the Blue Jays right now. The Blue Jays go 9-2 this week. Uh, they went back home. They played a doubleheader. Uh, they were they were back home last Friday, and they won nine of the uh, the eleven games. And you know, don't tell me that the Blue Jays wouldn't have a better record if they weren't uh, playing on the road uh, for the last two years, right? Uh, but I'm all fired up for football, uh, preseason football. And there's a, there's a few coaches. So the Denver Broncos are at the Minnesota Vikings. This is a stone cold or well, whatever. We're taking the Vikings. Like the best coaches in the preseason are John Gruden, John Harbaugh, and Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer and the Vi- Listen, Mike Zimmer Mike is a stone-cold killer uh, when it comes to the preseason, and the Minnesota Vikings are stone-cold killers. Uh, Mike Zimmer is 20-5 straight up. Listen, point spreads are always just going to be a point or two. It's rare that there's going to have a real point spread uh, in, a, in a preseason game. The dress rehearsal week three, you'll have some different numbers. But so they're basically all pickums. So yeah, Mike Zimmer has coached 25 preseason games and he's won 20 of them. He's won 20 of them, and they're playing the uh, the Denver Broncos. They get the uh, the Denver Broncos, and they're 20 and five. So you know it's it's and and you know it's crazy. The Broncos are one point favorites on the road. It's like really, okay, okay. I'll take the coach that's twenty and five at plus one, please, Alex. <laughs> From Jeopardy, uh, who is uh, Mike Zimmer? I'll take uh, Mike Zimmer, please. Twenty and five record, uh, plus one. You know what's an interesting one is Gruden. We're talking about Chucky Gruden. Gruden has never lost. In week one of the preseason before. He's 10-0. and 0. He's 10-0. and 0. The Raiders host uh, the Seahawks. And I'll tell you what. There's going to be fans there for the first time too, right? The Raiders didn't have fans at all. This, this is the first time there's going to be fans at a game. Now, they're playing Seattle. Russell Wilson is upset right now. Um, and, you know, I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know what the hell what it is about Seattle. And their owners, like you look at the Seattle Kraken, they came into the league, dude. They're like thirty million dollars under the salary cap right now. Like you guys, like what, what? What are you doing? You're an expansion team. You didn't even take any good players that were available to you. Oh well, you know we're waiting. What are you waiting for? You look at the Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners have the longest postseason drought in baseball. They did nothing. The Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenci. We're kicking it. It's level three. The quickest 180 minutes in sports talk radio. Man, there's a lot of stuff uh, going on in the sports world. So the Olympics are done. For those of you that laid the minus 350, that uh, the U.S. would have the most gold medals while you won your bet barely. All right? 39-38. The United States has the most gold medals in the Olympics. Uh, Summer League action. Uh, Scotty Barnes... 18 points, couple of steals, kids diving around. Uh, great, great first impression for Scotty Barnes. Uh, try, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll get into the Summer League this week. We'll start, you know, pull the trigger on some bets and stuff um, in the Summer League, the Vegas Summer League. The Raptors' roster is pretty good. The Raptors' Summer League roster is pretty good. Malachi Flynn is playing and a you know, point guard out of San Diego State. He was a rookie last year in the NBA. And his father complained, it's funny, his father was like, my son needs to play more. <laughs> right? It's like, yo, chill out, Mr. Flint, all right? Now, But now that Kyle Lowry's gone, your son will play more, all right? And if he can play like this, then he'll play a lot and he'll make a lot of money uh, as well. Uh, but as Pete Yanopoulos, our boy Pete will join us later in the week, uh, one of our basketball guests, I just saw him tweeting saying, you know, people need to chill out and don't overreact to early summer league performances but people are freaking out and very excited about scotty barnes he's trending on twitter right now this kid can ball man you know the raptors they went with him instead of jalen suggs and sugg's a good player but i think they thought that barnes just fits their organization more and i give masai ujiri and bobby webster uh, the benefit of the doubt um so nfl football uh we just talked nfl football with ian cameron uh, but we got more preseason. It kicks off on Thursday once again. And we're going to talk about this throughout the week. But if you want to get a head start on this, some coaching trends. Gruden has never lost in week one of the preseason before. And they didn't have fans in Vegas, right? Remember Davis said, nah no, nah, we're not doing limited fans. It'll either be all or nothing type of deal. So it's going to be the first time there's fans in a Raiders game. And Chucky is 10-0 and in week one. Mike Zimmer 20 and five all time in the preseason. John Harbaugh 12 and one in week one. They're playing the Saints. The late night anger management class Jason B. Taka next.
4: The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.
1: To Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Morrenti on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel Two Hundred Four.
3: anger match we're about to continue. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Marensi. We're throwing it down on Sirius XM Channel 204, Sports Radio Network. But you already know that. We're kicking it on our AM radio affiliates as well. Let's bring in Jason B. Takerfin, a three-time champion with the Vancouver Canadians, A-ball affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays and Oakland Athletics. In past years, Jason B. Takafin steps up and in to talk baseball. Always a pleasure, my man. How you doing, Jason?
5: Hey, great to see you. we got two teams in New York going in exact opposite directions.
3: And I'll tell you what, I'm cashing in on one of those teams uh, right now. You know, you and I have been talking odds throughout the season, uh, Jason, and we swung out, when we we struck out, we swung and missed uh, yeah. with the Washington Nationals at those yeah. that big fat price. But I wasn't deterred. So last week, bro, the Philadelphia Phillies were only two and a half back. They were plus 390 to win the division. The Braves were plus 340, and they were like three games back. Well, here we are right now, and the Philadelphia Phillies are – in first place and it's amazing what a difference a week can make, guys. So right now the New York Mets, um the New York Mets are now plus money after all this. Yeah, uh, Mets are Mets are two and a half games out. They've lost four straight series. They lost three plus one seventy right now. Plus one seventy. And yeah. the Philadelphia Phillies are plus one forty five. So the Phillies went from three ninety guys on Monday to plus one forty five right now. Mets are plus one seventy and the Braves are plus one ninety. Wheels have fallen out for the Mets, bro.
5: The Mets were minus two twenty last week. Uh, when we spoke, they've lost four straight series and all the things that they were doing that made them very good, like Tyler McGill coming down 1.04 ERA in five July starts a whip around one. He's 0 2 in August, ERA of 7.45. They don't know when DeGrom is getting back. He has his next MRI on August 13. He shut down until then. Cookie Carrasco just came back, didn't make it past the fourth inning. Center in they don't know when he's going to come back like it is. They're, they are 3 and 11 in their last 14. It is not very good. And that's not even including the Kumar Rocker. Uh, issues they had when they didn't sign the 10th overall pick, a perfectly great right-hander out of Vanderbilt who's been battle-tested. They just let him walk also. It has not been a very good couple of weeks for the Mets.
3: Were they not aggressive enough, in your opinion? We talked about them getting Baez. Was Cohen not aggressive enough at the trade-down line? Should they have done more?
5: I thought they should have been a little more desperate or a little
3: bit more urgent.
5: Um, It would have been consistent with them signing Lindor for 10 years, 341. Uh, It definitely would have been consistent with them signing DeGrom to a five-year 165 extension when he had two years left before being unrestricted. I think they should have been a little bit more urgent because the NL East isn't very good. They could have gotten into the playoffs, and anything could happen in the playoffs, especially if your top two pitchers are DeGrom and Stroman. Anything can happen in a one-game playoff. Anything can happen in a five-game series. And then you start, you know, if Syndergaard comes back, or Carrasco's healthy. You have T1 Walker for a three-year, $30 million contract. Top-heavy teams win in October. Your big horses win in October, especially in shorter seasons. The Mets have a ton of horses. Pete Alonso, they have great players. I think they
3: should have been a little bit more desperate. Jason B. Takovic kicking it with us. Well, speaking of desperate, uh, Mets fans are going to feel desperate when they look at the Mets' schedule coming up yeah. right now. So they get the Nationals. So this is a little bit of a, of a reprieve. And you look at the Phillies, the Braves, those teams got back in and taking advantage uh, of of the Nationals. The Mets need to stop the bleeding right now. So they get the Nationals uh, for uh, for three in New York, at City, in, in Queens. But then things get rough, bro. The Dodgers come to town. And and then after that, the Mets go to the West Coast to play the San Francisco Giants and yeah. the Dodgers again. They go. You get the Dodgers and Giants twice if you're the Mets coming up. What, the, at the worst possible time of the season, you have to go to play Los Angeles and San Francisco on the West Coast.
5: Yeah, 13 straight games against those two teams. That's why, you know, they they should have been swept by the Mets last weekend. They lost three or four to the Marlins. You have to win a minimum of three games that knowing what's coming down the pipe of 13 straight games against the Dodgers who are getting healthier, by the way, and the Giants who have the best record in the National League, that you have to win those games against the cupcakes. Compare that to Philadelphia, who's won eight in a row. They swept a very barren Nationals team and then they just swept the Mets. And don't look now, but Bryce Harper, starting to get those MVP chats. He has five home runs and an OPS of 1,200 in the last month. And, Gabe, we were talking about this before the All-Star break. Watch out for Zach Wheeler for Cy Young and MVP if DeGrom was going to be injured. DeGrom hasn't pitched since July 7th, and Zach Wheeler has the highest war amongst position players and pitchers. So he's in line. He's, he's, there's a ton of great pitchers for the Cy Young, but he's a low-key MVP
3: candidate also. Man, it's crazy, Jason. The odds changed. Like, yeah, it's a marathon, right? Base, the baseball season—it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's yeah. not a sprint. And we see this because, guys, I remember me and Jason on a weekly basis were discussing earlier. Wow, is there value with Jacob Degrom at 17 to one to be the MVP? And then he was the favorite to be the MVP. Yeah. Right now, so Zach Wheeler is plus 200 to be the Cy Young Award winner. He is the favorite. Zach Wheeler is plus 200. Walker Buehler is plus 270. Woodruff is plus 450. And Burns has slipped off a bit. Um, he's, he's plus 500. Gossman's 5-1. Five to one. Scherzer's 12-1. to one. If I had to ask you right now, is Zach Wheeler going to win the Cy Young?
5: Absolutely. Um, I would have said that a month ago also. You think the three pitchers in Milwaukee might dilute themselves a little bit? Kevin Gossman's going to get lost in San Francisco. And Kershaw and Bueller always kind of dilute themselves also. Uh, Wheeler has been a horse since he got to Philadelphia. He signed a very controversial five-year, $125 million contract. He... The Mets say he wasn't worth it, or he wasn't healthy enough. And to their credit, he was not healthy enough. He hadn't been very healthy since they got him for Carlos Beltran in 2011, when he was an A-ball. Um, but he has been—he has shoved so far this year. I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win Cy Young. And listen, if Tatis is still injured and the Padres don't make the playoffs because Cincinnati's two and a half games out. Look out for Wheeler being MVP also. He's got a war creeping in on six. If he can get that thing up to eight or nine and everybody else, whether you're Mookie Betts or your Joey Votto's and your other players, uh,
3: Max Muncy's, they're all going to dilute themselves and Wheeler could win MVP. He's 200 to one to win the MVP. He is listed. He's the last guy listed on the board. He's 200 to one to win the MVP plus 200. All, all, um, I'm the degenerate between the two of us, Jason, but I'll play it safe. I'll go with the Cy Young only, at plus 200. But let me ask you, you brought up Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's the second choice right now at 4-1, to one, plus 400. So you got Tatis. All right. You know what I mean? Like, really? is Has Tatis played enough? Are they going to give him the MVP? And, you know, we'll see how, how the season finishes out for San Diego, where they end up. And then you get Bryce Harper at 4-1. to one. Max Muncy's 5-1. to one. Max Muncy's not winning the most valuable player. Yeah. Trey Turner's plus 850. I don't think Trey Turner's winning. So is this a two-horse race right now between Tatis and Harper?
5: Yeah, it should be. I mean, maybe Joey Votto can sneak in there. Um, Joey Votto maybe can sneak in there if the Reds keep on going and they do catch the Pogges, or they're only five back of Milwaukee, so they to catch them. Unlikely. Um, but it is, I mean, they're only two and a half games out, two in the last comp to San Diego. Uh, Vado has just been on an absolute tear. Um, I would still, I, I would bet on Harper and I maybe will sprinkle a little bit on Wheeler also for MVP just because, you know, the Philadelphia media and the media people are going to want to stick it to the Mets also uh, because he is a former Met and he just threw a two-hit shutout against the Mets to close out the sweep also. Like, that's a big
3: deal. Man, I already have the Philadelphia Phillies to win the division. So what, yeah. now we're going to bet Bryce Harper to win MVP and Zach Wheeler? I'm going to have to buy a Phillies hat. Yeah. What yeah, about a Phillies guy? <laughs> like, well, listen to I me. Mean, what, what about the Braves? What about the Braves? I said, are you writing the Braves off or are they because the Phillies, maybe the Phillies have peaked too early, bro. They're all hot now. But is there, are the Braves about to go on a run? What about the Braves, in your opinion? Well, the Braves have kind of backed their way in.
5: Um, not so much back their way. And look, they're only two games out also. And I think it's going to be very difficult because they don't have their best player and they don't have, let's say their second or third best player, Marcelo. You know, their first player, obviously Ronald Cunha jr. Friedman's it's great. balling though. Friedman's balling. They have a great team. Albies is balling. Um, they did a great job picking up Peterson. Like they, They have a very good team. I don't think they're top-heavy enough to beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia also got Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Freddie Dallas at the deadline. They're a really deep rotation. I didn't even mention Vincent Velasquez or Zach Eflin to go along with Aaron Nola. Uh, They're a very deep deep rotation. I took Philadelphia to win the World Series last year at 25 to 1. They set the record for the most amount of blown leads, and the most amount of blown leads of three runs are over. Their bullpen was atrocious. They are looking to fix it. They have fixed it. They got Archie Bradley back there also, Ian Kennedy, both two veterans. Ian Kennedy's been around the block. It feels like we were talking about him as a top prospect with the Yankees 15, 16 years ago. That's going to provide a lot of sort of decorum or calmness. And it's going to allow those starters to pitch a little bit more freely. And not to mention, you got Real Muto, Alec Boehm is pitching; is hitting really well. Excuse me,
3: and Bryce Harper again. Like, this is a team to be reckoned with. Jason B. Tackett is with us. We'll talk baseball on the other side. Bring it.
4: The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.
3: The late night anchor, Max class continues, man. The show's just flying by tonight. Quickest 180 minutes of Sports Talk Radio. Jason B. Tack been kicking it with us. We're talking baseball. And there's a lot of baseball to talk about, so... We were talking about the National League East situation, and anyone who listens to the show knows we've t- we told you guys about the Phillies' odds. We told you about the Braves' odds um, last week, and now suddenly the Phillies are actually the favorites uh, to win that division. But let's talk about the American League East uh, right now. And people kept waiting for the, the collapse of the Boston Red Sox, and it's finally happened. And, man, it's really happening, isn't it? Uh, yeah, suddenly they find themselves four games uh, back. Just like that. After all this, it's almost like, dear God, we're four games back. And meanwhile, the Yankees and the Blue Jays are now knocking on the Red Sox door. Talk to me about the uh, the American League East situation now.
5: Yeah, the Red Sox have lost four straight series. They're four and nine in that span. They lost an absolute heartbreaker today, uh, getting up a three run home run to George Springer, getting up a full run lead. Also late in the inning, late in the game. They have the Rays coming up for three, the Orioles for three, the Yankees for three, the Rangers. So that's like difficult, easy, difficult, easy. In those 12 games, or right, If you want to break them down into two six game segments, they, have to win four games. Though. They have to win this series against the Rays. They cannot fall five or six games back or even more of the American League. The Yankees are so hot right now. They're 8-2 since the deadline. They have won eight of their nine last series game. Eight of their nine last series they have won. The only one they didn't win was that 3-4 series versus the Red Sox a few weeks back where they blew two late leads. That is very unusual. They're 9-4 and four in their last 13. They look at the Jays. They're 12 games over
3: since June 17. That's crazy. It's, it's crazy city. to me that, like, as you stated, all these teams like if they are hot. I was looking at Boston. I'm like, all right, what are they doing wrong? Not nothing, really. Nothing, really. They're 65 and 49. Yeah. Right. So it's not like, oh, they suck. Hey, what's wrong with you guys? And then, as you mentioned, because I was thinking, of, as you said, the Yankees are winning every damn day now. And the Blue Jays are red hot and they can't gain any ground. Like, if you're the Yankees. You're like you got to be kidding me. We've won all these games, and you look at the standings, and the Jays are still right here with us. And you yeah. look at the, if you're the Jays, you got to look at the stands and go, dear God, we've been winning every game for the last two weeks, and we can't gain ground on anybody.
5: They're slowly creeping in. You know, they
3: just went nine and two in their return back to Toronto.
5: They took three or four from Cleveland, three or four at Boston, and they swept the Royals. They got four against the Angels, three in Seattle, two in Washington, three versus Detroit. They're going to gain ground on someone, whether it's Tampa and the Red Sox in the division or if it's the Red Sox and the A's. And speaking of the A's for the wild card, how about those great trades they made? We talked about it last week, about Starling Marte, Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes. Starling Marte in nine games has an OPS of around 1,100, seven stolen bases. He's batting second. Oakland, since the deadline, has won three or four versus the Angels. They've had that amazing comeback victory against the Dodgers. And they just swept the Rangers, which is a great way to stay ahead of the pack. They're also 7-2 and two since the deadline. So they've managed to stay right with the Yankees and Blue Jays just as hot as them
3: so they can keep a two-game lead in the wild card. Jason B. Takafin, uh, kick it was. Um, when I saw, I saw the headline, Jason, it just said, A slugger suspended for PEDs. And I thought of your guy. I'm like, oh, no, no, this oh, can't no. be. Whatever. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be our boy Matt Olson. And uh, it wasn't. But what about uh, Loriano being suspended? How much of an impact does that have on, on the baseball team? It's it's
5: going to be a huge impact. You know, the A's have made the playoffs three straight years. loriano has been in center field. He's one of the constants. He has probably one of the best arms for center fielders that I've seen in a very long time, except for Jackie Bradley Jr., maybe even Rick Ankeel, though I hate saying Ankeel in that because he's a pitcher. It's kind of cheating when it comes to arm strength. Um, it's going to take a lot out of the team, but... You know, they made such good trades and they were, you know, we haven't seen Oakland be this aggressive since 2015 when they traded Addison Russell, a top 10 pick to get Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill. Then they traded Cespedes uh, to get Lester. It didn't work out. Excuse me, I was 2014. It didn't work out for them. They had the best record in baseball. They thought it was going to put them over the top and they ended up losing that wild card game to Kansas City. But it's nice to see Oakland being aggressive. I think the Laureano Suspension is going to hurt them, but it's not going to hurt them that much because Marte is a good enough athlete. He can play center field if he wants. The guy's got, the guy's got two gold gloves. He's led the league in assists uh, in throwing guys out uh, defensively for a few years. He's as good as they come as a five-tool player uh, You know, for all
3: five tools. Uh, I don't think they're going to miss him that much. Jason B. Takafin throwing it down with us on Sunday, bloody Sunday. It's Sports Rage Late Night. I am Gabriel Morenzi. So looking at the odds right now in the American League East, the Rays are minus 120. The Red Sox are now plus 190. The Yankees are 7-1. to And the Jays are 10-1 to to win a division. And it's just amazing to me that you look all the money the Jays spend, all that young firepower that they have, all the young superstars, the New York Yankees and all the money that they have and the brand. And, And then the Boston Red Sox. And the only one freaking damn constant, bro, is the Tampa Bay Rays. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, all yeah. these teams so talented, winning so many games, and the Rays are in first place again.
5: Yeah, you know, they also they also traded Willie Adamas. They also traded their starting closer, Diego Castillo. Like, they... Walk and chew gum at the same time. They traded Blake Snell for a package of prospects to replenish. They lost Tyler Glass now. You know to Tommy John. He might even miss next year. They're still in first place, and it doesn't matter. They have such a good system. They have. I remember a couple of years ago, their system, along with the Padres, was ranked as one of the most complete systems up and down that they've ever seen. And they make trade. Same thing with the Padres. They're able to deal from the depth of their system without giving up the McKenzie Gores or the C.J. Abrams, that's the Padres. The Rays didn't have to trade Wander Franco. Wander Franco's, you know, has been the best prospect in baseball since Vladimir Guerrero graduated three years ago, and he's playing amazing.
3: So the Toronto Blue Jays, we thought they would get a boost going back home, but wow, have they ever? Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about it, Jason, if you... And you know, you put everything in perspective because people have lost their lives. So I'm just talking from a sports perspective, but there has been no teams in sports, bro, that were more affected from the pandemic than the the Toronto Raptors yeah. and the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. And to me, you know, the Raptors didn't handle it very well in Tampa. They just didn't. I think they just sort of said, "All right, this is a this is a wash. Yeah. Like, this this year's a write off, and it is it is what it is." It's just it's incredible to me, though, like, like, put, let me ask you that. Well, I guess the best way of putting it is this. How much better of a record would the Jays have if they've been playing in Toronto all year? Well,
5: it's a great question because Toronto is also such a launching pad for those right handed hitters like Guerrero and Springer and Simeon. Um, I think they w- I think maybe they needed this little bit of adversity and I hate calling COVID adversity, but it was probably allowing them to gel a little bit.
3: Um they would be a little bit better just because their stadium caters. That's a good point actually, Jason. What you just said, it almost made them grow up faster together, huh? Like it's, yeah, like sorry, they've been you know, through more together already at a young age.
5: And, and I think now that Charlie Montoyo's done a lot of the dirty work in the last two years of managing COVID, playing in ball playing in Buffalo, playing in Dunedin, going back and forth. Um, you know, they were eliminated in the playoffs in, like, 18 hours last year. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be – look, they went 9-2. and two, They had 15,000. That 15,000 Toronto was, like, in the Habs 3,500. Like, listen, that's that not 15,000. That like 15,000. <laughs> that's not 15,000 people in there. Stop it. Everyone just stop it. It's not 15,000. Um I think, I don't know, I, I'm very bullish on them. I, I We even talked about a few weeks ago, like the Red Sox were, like if the Red Sox were a blackjack hand, they've just been hitting on 15 and 16, getting fives and sixes, and they just kind of stopped. Like they stopped getting the cards. And then another team came up who's got a little bit more skill, and over the course of a long season, like you just said, the Blue Jays have a, a much better lineup. Now that they have a much better bullpen and a much better, uh, a much deeper rotation now that Alec Manoa's kind of rounded out the top three or four, um, it's it, they're forced to be reckoned with, and they also, like we said, they have sort of an easier schedule. They get Detroit for three at Washington, Seattle for three, Ford with the Angels. You know, they can
3: they can be a couple games back of first place by you know by late August. And speaking of COVID, it's still it's obviously still here. The Delta, the Delta strain, etc. But it's really like it's really running rampant in sports, bro. It is. Like, you know, we see we see it in the National Football League and somebody's idiot uh, idiots in the NFL that don't want to get vaxxed. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's like, OK, fine, whatever. But, you know, like Lamar Jackson, bro. I don't know. Lamar doesn't care because he gets paid, but. He's missed eight practices. Yeah. Right. That that affects the season like that. Your starting quarterback hasn't been there for eight practices now. That's yeah. something. Right. And now just look at baseball. Your boy, J.D. Martinez, placed on the COVID list. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, test positive for COVID. Yeah. You know, Lamar, it's funny you mentioned with Lamar Jackson. He probably
5: has the most amount of pressure on him out of any player going to the league because he needs to prove that he's in that upper echelon. He needs to take the Ravens to the next level. You know, Anthony Rizzo and Jason Hayward, it's so different. It really shows you that COVID isn't a left or right leaning thing that like even people like these two guys who are the face of the Cubs, they are the face of the two thousand sixteen world champions, they were the ones who were skeptical skeptical about taking it. You're like, okay guys like Shouldn't you be the adults in the room? Like you are literally here for your leadership. You are literally here because you are mature and you're literally here because you represent the city and everything that's good about it. And if Hayward and Rizzo are skeptical, then the floodgates are going to open for people to say no. And that's why Rizzo going on the DL or IL, excuse me, for, you know, for being on COVID or for having COVID. I don't know. I'm not surprised. And you know what? I'd be shocked. Like I I know we talked about a couple weeks ago. I don't necessarily be so yippy skippy about getting that guy in the clubhouse. If he's, you know, if, if he's not willing to take a test, it's one thing to think it's, It's okay to have your political
3: views, but keep everybody safe, right? Keep everybody healthy. It's, yeah, that's, and it shows a lack of respect for your teammates and your coaching staff, especially your coaching staff who are older. And look. gave your caterers, your trainers, yeah. your ah, caterers, yeah. the bus drivers, the pilots. Look, the Brian sp- Tannehill, bro. Brian Tannehill didn't want to get vaccinated, but he did. And I give him credit for it. Right? However, whatever reason he did it, he did it. And he said, basically, he said, I didn't want to do this, but I came to the conclusion that I could not lead this football team unless I did. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, maybe Kirk Cousins should uh, pay attention to what Ryan Tannehill uh, said. More with Jason B. Tackerton
2: on the other side. Bring it.
1: Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. The late night anger
3: management class continues. Quick, as 180 minutes in Sports Talk Radio. We're talking baseball with Jason B. Taka fan. Man, there's a lot of stuff I want to get to, including the uh, the unfortunate passing of Jr. Richard. And uh, we'll get uh, we'll talk about uh, the great Jr. Uh, in a couple of moments, uh, but. I want to talk about the Seattle Mariners a little bit, and we've talked a lot of Mariners baseball on the show throughout the year, Jason, and you brought up how they had the longest drought uh, in baseball without making a postseason, and ownership and the general manager really sort of shocked the room mm-hmm. by trading instead of acquiring and trading a guy in Kendall Graveman that was, like, one of the most popular guys, like, if not the most popular guy. Players were literally in tears, Yeah, and Graveman was in tears. Like, I don't want to get traded. Like, what, you know? i don't know like it was just strange but it seems like the team they got rattled for a couple of days and they lost they got their ass handed to them for a couple of days after that actually and you could tell like they were upset in the clubhouse but i think they realized guys you know what we've got to fight forward we've got to keep on going on you know even if kendall's not here anymore we got to do this and they've they've battled i think they're going to fall short in the end but the players are battling aren't they they are battling. It reminded me when Matt Zuccarello got traded for the Rangers, and the whole team couldn't really speak
5: because they were just very emotional about losing someone that was very close with them. Ironically, they could have used Kendall Graveman in the bullpen this past weekend when they lost. Three- <laughs> they blew leads in every single game, including on Friday in extra innings. They blew a molt. They blew a four-one lead on Saturday, extra innings on Friday. Uh, not very impressive. They did. They did. Uh, you know, they did get the uh, the fourth game to not get swept. They got, the Rangers, Blue Jays, they got the Rangers, Blue Jays, and Rangers in their next nine games. If the Mariners are going to make the jump, and if the Mariners are going to move ahead of, let's say, the Blue Jays and Yankees and even Red Sox, they have to win seven of those games, right? They're five and a half games out right now. They have to win seven of those games, put a little bit of pressure, including winning that, that series against the Blue Jays, and put a little bit of pressure on the teams ahead of them.
3: The Mariners, this is crazy. So Dylan Moore hit a grand slam. The Mariners have had five different players hit a go-ahead grand slam in the last 52 days. No other team in Major League Baseball has had five different players hit a go ahead Grand Slam and not short of a time span. And what's amazing, guys, because you, if you look at Seattle, you're like, how do they do this? Like, what, how are they, you know, how do they win games? You look at their run differential, you look at their roster. And, guys, this is so you want to seem smart with your boys. The clutchest team in baseball, the Seattle Mariners. The Clutches team, Fangraphs, has a clutch metric that essentially measures how well a player team performs in high-level situations compared to all situations. The Mariners, get this, their clutch metric, 7.56. The second closest, the Phillies, 4.06. Red Sox, 3.38. Royals, 2.42. Cleveland, 1.65. Guys, when the bases are empty, the Seattle Mariners' batting average is 199. Not even the Mendoza line. When the bases are empty, they're hitting 199, worse in baseball. When they have runners in scoring position, they hit 268, fourth best in baseball. They're on base percentage when the bases are empty. Worse in baseball, 277. On base percentage with runners in scoring position, 345, 11th best. How about this one? Slugging percentage. 3-4-7, 347, 30th in the league <laughs> with runners in scoring position. Their slugging percentage is 478, third best in baseball. It's insane. It is insane. It's very unusual. Uh, it, I mean, to
5: say something cheesy, it shows that they're a team, right? Like they, they help each other out. Uh, they knock each other in. Um, Scott Service is an interesting manager because he he blends a little bit of the old school and new school He's been very definitive that he doesn't really care about run differential. Like he doesn't really care about certain advanced stats being a determination on how he thinks his team is or how he thinks certain players are playing. But he does, I know I know a few people in the Mariners organization, they do use advanced stats. They aren't afraid to kind of blend that in and to help make their players as optimized as possible, so to speak, which is the point of advanced stats. Um, they, If they spend next offseason, And if they continue to build on the great year they had, they're going to be a very good value pick to make the playoffs. And they may be, depending on what happens with Houston and with Oakland, Houston losing Granke, Houston losing
3: Verlander, they could be a very good pick to win the AL West. Jason B. Tachofen uh, with us. And uh, Jason's got a great baseball podcast in which, uh, on a weekly basis, him and his co-host have a Hall of Fame debate. So uh, is it safe to say that if J.R. Richard didn't suffer a stroke that he was a Hall of Famer. I mean, one of the most 100%. dominant pitchers of our generation growing up. And for me, actually, like, you know, and like, you know, the, the name, the word association, when they say, all right, who's the first player you think of when you see this logo? For yeah. me, it's J.R. Richard. J.R. Richard, to me, that's, he's the guy I think of. Like, he was the Houston Astros bro in the late 70s. First pitcher in baseball history, guys, to have 300 strikeouts in a year. And then he followed that up with like 313 a year after that. I mean, this guy was his fastball fear. Uh, dude, scary. Six-foot-eight, big dude. Uh, just looked so cool in that Astros uniform. Uh, struck out 300 batters. He was the first guy to do it in, uh, in 1978. And in, in 1979, he followed that up uh, with 313 uh, strikeouts. Guys, he was a dominant pitcher, man. But he suffered a stroke in the prime of his career. And uh, he had to retire. He He, he ended up being 107. And 71, 1,493 strikeouts, a 3 one 5 run average in just 238 games pitched. And put it this way, guys, to this day, to this day, he's still third in strikeouts in Houston Astro history. And think about that. His career yeah. got cut short, and he's still third all-time. He accomplished all that, and he had to
5: retire at the age of thirty. Both Johnny Bench and Dale Murphy said that Richard was the toughest pitcher they ever faced. That's wow. pretty good. That's pretty good company. Johnny, Johnny Bench uh, said that's the toughest pitcher I ever faced, huh? Johnny Bench. Keep in mind, he also played in a bunch of World Series, so he actually didn't just stay in the National League. Jr. Richard also it was a two time NL strikeout leader and uh, an ERA leader. He's in the Houston Astros uh, Hall of Fame. An excellent career and really. He had a pretty full life, right? He had a lot of ups and downs uh, towards the end of his career. Uh, you know, he was homeless. He, he he had a couple of divorces. Then he became a minister. And so he really kind of went full circle uh, without his, with his entire career. Also was a second overall pick. So he wasn't like a fluke. He was literally scouted from the time he was 15,
3: 16 years old uh, to be this dominant, which he was. Wow. Well, as you stated, what a life that J.R. Richard lived. May rest right. in peace. May, may, I don't know. I know. I remember that. How did he end up living under a freeway, man? Under like exactly like how they like and you know what? He didn't want anyone's help, I guess. Right. Because people were like, dude, like the Astros are like guys like J.R. Yeah. Richards living under a bridge right now, guys. When they said we try to help him, he doesn't want to talk like he doesn't want our help. One of the reasons. And
5: teams will not sort of admit to this, but one of the reasons why they have very strong alumni programs is to keep an eye on those players because they're not used to not playing baseball. A lot of them, baseball is their first, second and third income and everything they know. So the more they can put them in front of fans, whether it's autograph sessions, get them in field with gloves and teach kids camps, maybe go and do some watch parties together. It's one of the reasons they do that. Yep. Is so that they can keep an eye on them and not just
3: have that incredible fan engagement. And that's it. I mean, if guys are suffering from mental health issues as well yeah. and they're just sitting in some house and even if it's a big house guys, right. Even if they have money, it's a big house. Yeah. They're still sitting in a house alone and then their mind starts to drift. Right. And as you stated, you got to keep these guys engaged. Right. That's like, yeah. no, a good athletes point.
5: Will, athletes will be the first one
3: to tell you they need their routine. Their entire career
5: has been goal-oriented and their schedule is set for them. And when that music stops and when they have to make their own schedule or be entrepreneurial or get into a field that they are not used to getting into, that's when trouble could start for a few people. And someone like J.R. Richard, he was behind the eight ball because of his stroke at age 30, right? So we're talking about someone who lost out when the money was coming in, in baseball. Exactly. Lost
3: out on probably making the Hall of Fame or at the very least being in the Hall of Fame debate. And, and pitched pitch in an era when they didn't make that much money, bro. Like, big right. money didn't kick in until the mid-80s. And you're taking away 10 to 12 to 15 years of his career, right? Like, he could have – he was – like you said, 6'8 is a big dude. He could have pitched another 12, 15 years. Yeah, could have become a dominant closer, yeah. um, et and, You're right. Like, yeah, it's just uh, – Jason Takafin uh, kicking with us. So, Jason, it's funny we're talking about the money. I don't know if you saw, I tweeted you the link. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it at all. But it was from 1993 Frontline, yeah. PBS Frontline. And it's funny. I was just, you know, I watch old stuff and I stumble across this and I, just, I watched it all. And it was fascinating to me, of course, leading up to the Expo's demise in F94 and Reinsdorf in the middle of all this. But um, just about how, you know, speaking of the Red Sox and money and everything, about Carlton Fisk. Yeah. And just like how, you know, Carlton Fisk, guys, if you think, put it this way, baseball guys, Carlton Fisk, as great as he was, and the home run, so in, and when they played the Reds in the World Series in 1976, he made $80,000, yeah. $80,000, and he wanted more money, and the, the media and the owners in Boston and everyone, they made him like he was greedy. Can you believe that? Well, and easy. he got a raise to like 120, and he was like, "This still sucks." And he got 600k to go to the White Sox, and it was a fascinating documentary about the owners and how they just essentially colluded to keep salaries down. They didn't sign anybody. They have, I mean, look, Andre Dawson
5: was the the subject of he won his collusion case. There's collusion and owners scheming to keep salaries down have been going on for as long as the game has been going on, especially as players have gotten more money. And Kurt Flood won his Supreme Court case about being able to be a free agent after X amount of years playing. His famous quote is, a well-paid slave is still nonetheless a slave. And players have fought hard. If you ask a lot of players and agents, and they've said this on the record about the 1994 strike, they had to miss a World Series to protect their non-salary cap and to protect their freedom. And it worked Up until about 2016-17, when the sample size was so big, where teams didn't necessarily need to make that splash in free agency uh, to win games and to make an ROI on that through jersey sales and tickets and, you know, food and all that other stuff.
3: And now you see salaries are going down. The CBA expires on December I think we're in the same sort of – you can't say they're colluding because, you know, they're going to say, oh, look, look at that. Not much money this guy got and that guy got. But how can you say that they're not when you saw – some of the players that quite frankly just weren't getting offers. Yeah. I, I I I personally do believe they'll they're never going to win that lawsuit or anything like that. They can't prove, but it's pretty clear that baseball owners have conspired and colluded together to not pay 500 million dollar contracts to these guys.
5: Right so to me it's not so much the Trout and Lindor and Betts who are top of their class. Lindor's maybe slipped off a little bit. I think at worst Lindor is still an exceptional defensive shortstop which has a value. I don't think they have to collude because I think there's enough sample size to show that from 1995 to 2020, which is 25 years, that you don't make an ROI off signing yep. you middle don't class. Win just because you do it, yeah. The middle class. And then you look at the Dodgers, and they're like, well, wait a second. We brought in uh, Josh Beckett and Crawford made that trade. We, we were still getting smoked in the first round. We need to put our investment into Cody Bellinger, into Gavin Lux, into
3: Walker Buehler, and then we go and spend some money when we have to. and we we had more answer? time. We only got like thirty seconds. I say, what about Cody Bellinger? So All let right. me ask you: Is he going to start hitting soon? What's going on?
5: He did the last couple of days. They are going to need him. They are getting healthier at the right time. The Dodgers. He just had a home. He had a, a go-ahead home run last yep. night. Yep. Uh, home run to put the icing on the cake today. They are going to need him to wake up and to play at his sixty million dollar valuation. His first year of arbitration. This guy's a Rookie of the Year. He's an MVP. They need him to step up if they're going to beat
3: the Giants, Brewers, and Padres. I'll tell you what, San Francisco just aren't going anywhere, man. They're yeah. not going anywhere. Boston fell apart. San Francisco has not. Jason, where can people find your podcast? At IBWA podcast drops every Wednesday morning.
5: This week's Hall of Fame segment is Ron Guidry. Ron
3: Guidry, great stop, former Yankee. Jason B. Tackett. Thanks, Jason.
1: ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
6: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley. With premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more. All built to last.
3: we match the class this is 180 down. minutes Sports talk radio three minute warning we're done thanks to Jason B Tackerffin and Ian Cameron for kicking with us on the show uh tonight um what do we take away from tonight's uh, program if there's like sort of sort of like to lead people with one like sort of bet future angle odds check <clears throat> right and <clears throat> I think Zach wheeler I think Zach Wheeler is is the player of the night tonight, the sports rage player of the night. Uh, Zach Wheeler to win the Cy Young. All right, the number's going to keep dropping, so I think you can pull the trigger on this. Bueller, listen, there seems to be a resistance. I don't know. People look at the Dodgers and, you know, do you you really want to give them more awards? (laughs) You know what I mean? right, and Bueller's been good. Bueller's been really good, but Wheeler's been a little better. Uh, right now, uh, Philadelphia are an interesting team, aren't they? Jason B. Takerfin, uh brought up a good point. Philly quietly really, really, you know, stockpiled talent at the trade deadline. They didn't get, like, that big-name guy, but Kyle Gibson's good, right? They short up their bullpen, right? Just, they have a lot more veteran experience now. Philadelphia's a dangerous team. My only deal with the Philadelphia Phillies is have they peaked too early, but I did grab a piece. Uh, I've got Wheeler at plus 300 uh, to win the Cy Young. Um, So now every time Wheeler takes the hill, I'll be uh, watching this uh, with interest. I'm telling you, at this point, I I nearly need to buy a Philadelphia Phillies hat. I got the Phillies to win the division. Now I got Wheeler to win the Cy Young. What the hell is going on? I'm a Dodger fan. And I'm starting to question whether the Dodgers are actually going to win this division or not. San Francisco's not falling apart. And they've got themselves a little lead uh, right now. You can still get the Giants at plus money. But... I think another thing that flew under the radar is, I'm looking at the division odds here and, and the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros are like minus 650 favorites to win the American League West. The Oakland Athletics are only two games back, they're plus 450, only two games back. Other than that, you're on your own, later.
4: The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.